But how can I not think about it? I mean, I've been sitting here at lunch with you, which I knew is the reason you invited me for in the first place, and all I'm sitting here and eating for is to get guilty with you, right? I'm asking you to take over the show for six weeks. I mean, what six weeks? I'll give you anything, but don't ask me to do six weeks. I can't take over the show for six weeks. I can't even take over my own life for six weeks. And you're asking me to do something that's impossible. It's impossible. Don't you understand? What? What are you doing down there so late? It's impossible. I'm trying to tell you that. What do you want? You want the tears to come out of my eyes? There's got to be a way you can work it out. It's just six weeks. Excuse me, uh, Mr. Popkin, do you think you could? Yeah. Sure. What's your name, dear? Dolores. Dolores? That was my father's name. To Dolores, who sensed greatness. Like an angel, look like an angel, walk like an angel, walk like an angel, talk like an angel, but I got one. You're the devil in disguise, or oh, yes, you are. Okay, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, people. You are listening to episode 86 of the Dude and a Monkey podcast. I am your host, Mark Foster, and as ever, I'm joined by my co-host. Yeah, Laurie, hi, guys. Uh, and this week, we are bringing you not one, no, 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 not one, not one, not two, not two, no. We are bringing you three, a triple threat of reviews. We're going to bring you a review of the... Finally, fucking released uh, Alexander Ayer's uh, new film Horns, uh, which stars uh, Daniel Radcliffe breaking out his parcel tongue again. Uh, we are going to bring you a review of Nightcrawler, uh, the Jake uh, Gyllenhaal goes creepy bastard, and uh, we're going to bring you a review of The Babadook, uh, a movie that has been called a modern horror masterpiece. Uh, we're also going to throw in some trailers, some questions, and probably a few other bits that we'll tangent off to uh, here and there. Uh, Ian, uh, anything else to add, or should we dive into some trailers? I'll just say very quickly, after my buttfuckery with the PlayStation 4, I have now bought an Xbox One. I am rather loving it, I must say. Um, my gamer tag, if anyone out there is an Xbox One owner, is Monkey Man Loring. Nice. Uh, can, I, can I ask a quick question? Does the uh, Xbox One, because um, that comes with the the motion bar, is set into it, isn't it? Whereas no, the, they've, 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 they've stopped that. Basically, oh. Microsoft originally sold it with Kinect yeah. and charged like 400 quid for the thing. Um, then basically they realised we're losing out on sales and, you know, people, like this. Th- their whole focus originally was like, using your hands and your voice to act to basically work your entire entertainment center and then they kind of realized after the playstation came out oh hang on a second yeah this is a games console mm. uh we kind of need to focus on games so they dropped that requirement and dropped the price so i got i got a really good deal actually i got the xbox one fifa 15 
and tomorrow I'm getting in the post the Call of Duty Advanced Warfare Day Zero Edition um, because I actually kind of like single-player Call of Duty, so sue yeah. me. I got all of that for 350 quid. That's not bad, is it? Yeah, and it was it was day to day delivery as well. So yeah, because I mean, I I was you know with the um, PS4 is you need to get the uh, the camera and the motion detector separately. And my thing of that is I'm not gonna pay seventy quid for something that I won't use. But the minute I can start scrolling along Netflix by just waving my hand at it, then fuck it, I'll I'll be yeah I'll be diving in there. I will pay eighty quid for just the fun of going <laughs> like that. Uh, and it will keep me entertained for. I won't even need to choose a movie. I will literally just go. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna do this. I'm just gonna wave my arm about. And I'm gonna flap about, um, twat about. Actually, not even looking for something just because it'll amuse me. I mean, it's a good idea, but the thing is, the bar is a bit obnoxious, and Madonna would not have enjoyed it at all. <laughs> um, so you know, even though I mean, and also, there's things like you can hook up your cable box through it. So I tried that the other day, but then you can't like use the xbox like controller to record things or to access your like recordings on your dvr um, uh... you can rewind and you can play and you can change channel and that thing but you can't that kind of thing you can't do that so it's like it's not a one-stop shop so no. until it is there's i'm not running it through that what's the point exactly it, it, it's uh either i can control it all or it's pointless exactly yeah exactly so i mean they they might well patch it in. I don't know. And I mean, it is it is quite cool, like having the ability to watch TV and then, like in a small part of the of your TV monitor have TV and then have FIFA on in the main bit. Mm. That's 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 interesting. But it's the usability is not great. So you know, as much jiggery pokery as you have with it, what's the point? But I, I mean, I, I will say I prefer the Xbox controller to the PlayStation controller personally. Um, and I don't know. I The online infrastructure seems a bit more stable than PSN, which feels quite important to me. And um, I don't know. I, I mean, it's just like, after, you know, I just wanted to try something different. and I, I am enjoying it. And also the remastered Halo Master Chief collection comes out next week. And... I am all over that. That's all I'm going to be playing for about three or four months. Mm. So, yeah, uh, bring it on. And it does 3D Blu-rays, so, you know. Hey. No, why not? Why the fudge yeah. not? Actually, um, that reminds me. Uh, sorry, one other thing. I am selling a Netflix-compatible 3D Blu-ray Samsung player. If anyone wants it, 30 quid. At me on Twitter, at Ian Loring, we'll talk about it. 30 quid, Samsung, 3D. I only bought it about six months ago, and it does Netflix. So if anyone wants that, feel free. Cool. Um, another uh, thing before we go into the trailers was, Ian, I, you did mention this. I know you didn't watch it, but... Um, oh, I know what you're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, on Thursday night, I think it was the... Am I right in thinking it was the British TV premiere of uh, Nicholas Winding Refn's Drive, um, a movie that... Uh, I can't, essentially... I know, it's not the first time Drive has been on. <clears throat> Is it not the first time Drive has been on? No. All right. So it might I be... think it was on like around Christmas last year. I think you might be right there, yeah. Um, so... Anyway, uh, Drive was shown on Thursday night, uh, which is, you know, nothing different, nothing strange. Um, however, this time it was it was a uh, a re-scored version by Radio One, or namely uh, Zane Lowe of Radio One. 
Now, a few things before I, I, I have a little bit of what I'm going to essentially just come out there and say is a bit of a rant, uh, is I am not anti-BBC. I am not one of those people who goes, the BBC is disgraceful and I don't see why I should pay my licence fee for all that. My licence fee is, I can't remember off the top of my head exactly how much it is, but it's about £170 a year, I think, something like that maybe. Um, and for, for that, you know, we get access to a number of channels, a number of radio channels and a website that I use every day. Um, and I can say that I use the BBC website every single day. Um, I don't watch a lot of shows on the BBC, to be honest. You know, the only show I watch on a semi-regular basis is Match of the Day. Uh, I watch Doctor Who, but only because I watch it with Becky. Uh, because yeah, I you're forced her. to watch Doctor Who. Yeah, so th- th- there's that. But I do think the BBC offer an amazing service for the actual relatively small amount of money uh, that they take off you each each year. So this isn't an anti-BBC rant. However, this... and Oh, and by the way, I uh, the restaurant I work in, I work on a Tuesday night, and every Tuesday night we have Radio 1 on, and I am forced to listen to Zane Lowe's show every Tuesday night, and it is an incredibly painful experience because he is quite simply in... An industry where radio DJs are incredibly arrogant anyway because it seems to be now that it's the done thing for a radio DJ. They have to act very cocky and arrogant. He's one of the worst culprits of it. And I despise radio at the best of times. Um, But it seems to be this increasing kind of arrogance that the BBC has developed over these past couple of years where... They seem to be very self-assured and very confident that everything they're doing is innovative and brilliant and wonderful. And it started to really irk me a little bit from the the constant telling me how wonderful Doctor Who is. And I'm fucking watching it and I know it's not wonderful. And the, you know, the fact that that Top Gear has become this thing where, and I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Top Gear, I watch it, but it has become a thing where essentially they can do whatever the fuck they want and the BBC will back them because, let's be honest, it's probably one of the biggest shows in the world right now, which is terrifying in itself. But from the ridiculousness that was that terrible, terrible, terrible God Only Knows cover that they put out, and then they do this, where they rescore a film and Zane Lowe essentially takes a film which is quite heavily guided by its score and celebrated about its score um, not just its uh, its musical cues but um, Clint Marcel's actual score itself. The fact that not only the BBC but Zane Lowe uh, are arrogant enough to think that they can and they're claiming, oh no, it, it, it's uh, we don't think we can do it better. We're thinking that um, you know that we can add something different, and we're paying homage to it by rescoring it. Like a score is a meaningless. Th- I tell you what, why don't we uh, instead of that? Why don't why why not next time BBC? Here's an idea for you. Sure, Goodfellas, but instead of it being really Otter doing the the narration, no 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 no. Why don't we have that prick that does the morning breakfast show? What's his name? Grimshaw. Nick Grimshaw. Yeah. Why don't we have him doing uh, that? Because that won't alter it at all, will it? I watched. I, I didn't watch it all because frankly, I was once it got to the. You know the um, the robbery scene. They're driving away. 
Um, that that bit, I was like, nope, don't, don't, can't watch anymore, can't watch anymore, because he put a pumping bass-heavy song over the getaway, and it was like, right, what was brilliant about Drive's score and about its musical cues were that they weren't obvious, they weren't generic. And what you did was you took it and you made it really fucking generic. And you assumed that because you're a Radio 1 DJ, that you have the necessary skills and the necessary know-how of knowing when to to drop a certain piece of music and how to create a mood using music and all of these things. Would you let Cliff Martinus just, just, just go in and just do your Radio 1 fucking show? Well, no, because he's not a radio DJ. He scores films for a living it is a skill a job and somebody like that has spent years honing that craft and getting it to that point and then you get some fucking failed fucking rock star who is there in a job and i i listen to his show and forced to listen to his show and i am amazed that he still is in his fucking job because all he does is says everything is fucking epic and everything is the hottest thing right now and he seems to think that he can go in and just do this other job and everyone should lord him up. And because half of Twitter was saying it was great, the other half were saying it was shit, he's kind of said, well, you know, I expected people to not get what we were doing. It's like, no, it was shit. And the other people are blowing smoke up your ass because you were retweeting them. It was just typical of the way that the BBC has developed this arrogance of, well, we can do whatever. We can do what, what do you think? What do you think about the fact that Refn signed off on it? Well, what I think about that is I think that Refn is the type of filmmaker who, A, the BBC have been very supportive of Nicholas Wind and Refn. Um, you know, with Drive, it was featured heavily on The Culture Show. Um, and since then, they, you know, they've backed him and they've celebrated him. I think it was one of these things where they said, we want to do this, we want to do this. And he's gone, yeah, go on then, why not? You know, just because yeah, he has okay, signed off enough. on it doesn't mean, you know, it, I, I don't think that he's going to, I don't think he, he'll have cared enough to go, no, you're not doing it, not a fucking chance. I think he's savvy enough to know, well, does it really matter that much to me? No, fuck it, yeah, do it, whatever. You know, if people say it's shit, people are going to say it's shit. If people say it's great... I look great. He's in a, he's in a no lose situation there. Plus, the next time he releases a film, it can kind of go. Remember that solid that I did with you with Drive? Yeah, boom. Mm. I've, I've got no interest in watching it whatsoever. The, the choice of artists that they've got involved in it—it's just like I don't want to. At least most of them, anyway. But I don't want to hear Eric Prids do music on Drive. I, it just—it's. I, the thing is, I mean, like, it, it's it's one where if it was artists I'm actually interested in hearing, I'd maybe be a bit more, well, yeah, all right, let's give it a go. But it just, it feels like um, a, 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 an atonal mix of what that film is and getting a bunch of today's artists doing music I, I i it just it doesn't quite click for me um you know i mean like would i i would i like to see like tangerine dreams thief score applied to drive 
Yes. Yeah. Do I want to, or do I want the the guy who did that call on me song doing a song in doing part of the music in Drive? No. No. No, not at all. But that's that's personal preference. I'm not against the idea of mashing up a film, but I, 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 I with a, with a different soundtrack. But I do think in this case, it is something that I just have no interest in whatsoever. I don't. I don't. I'm not interested in a Zane Lowe curated Drive soundtrack, but. I don't know, more power to him, I suppose, but... No, no, we need to take the power away from him. I just, I couldn't really give a fuck. I mean, like, Zane Lowe feels like he's becoming less culturally relevant with each passing year. Um, But, I I, I mean, like, Christ, how long has he been doing that slot on... um, on on Radio One for now, like it, must it was be. before I went to uni that I, he started doing that. It must be twelve, fifteen years. Yeah, it I must think. Be. I would say, at a guess, I would say probably about twelve years. Yeah, yeah. And it it, it just I don't know. It's it's interesting. I mean, the the, the scary thing is he's probably going to be on Six Music at some point, and he's. Like I like my six music the way it is. Thank you very much. I don't want Zane Lowe on my six music, but hey, yeah, right. Whatever. Um, whatever. From there, we shall move uh, segue beautifully into Ian. Uh, what trailers have you been watching? Uh, I'm not too sure about segueing beautifully into <laughs> me, but um, hey. Uh, okay, so what have I watched? I and uh, just mindful of the fact we've got quite a lot to get through. Um, the debut trailer for Ex Machina, um, the Alex Garland written and directed film. I saw a bit of um, when I went to the DNA production offices for my um, uh, now in limbo, probably never going to happen. Sunshine book. Um, I actually saw some production art from this, um, like really early concept stuff. And it pretty much looked exactly like it does in the film, which is pretty crazy. Um, so, yeah, I, I I've been kind of I, I I kind of known of this for a long while now, and I've been waiting for some stuff from it. And uh, yeah, I mean the trailer looks good. I'm a little bit worried that it's maybe told us a little bit too much. Mm. Um, but I, I I am very very much game. It's a really interesting cast, and uh, yeah, um, it, it it's got a mood and an atmosphere to it that I think a January release is pretty spot on for it. Um, and it's also I'm heartened by the fact that it's been picked up by A24 in the US, who are a, in the distribution label who distributed Under the Skin and Spring Breakers among uh, and the Bling Ring amongst the, uh, many others in the US. So the fact that they are picking this up gives me some hope for the, the gen- gen- generally this yeah and, and like the market for it and the sense of quality as well. So I'm I'm excited for X Machina. Um, Trailer for Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1, which basically says this time it's war. That's about all there is to it. You don't really need to do much to sell a Hunger Games film. To be honest, I don't think the trailer did that much, but hey. Um, And, you know, probably the big trailer for the week, uh, Furious 7. Um, I mean, I'm assuming you'll want to talk about this, so I might just leave the floor open to you. Yeah, um, well, the only ones that I, I've watched, uh, I've not, I've not watched the Hunger Games trailer because I've not actually watched a single Hunger Games movie yet. Yeah, 
Fair enough then. Uh, I, I tried watching the first one. It just didn't. It just didn't grip me. So I will watch them at some point. My daughter loves them, so I'll end up watching them with them. Um, Dying of the Light, the trailer for that, the uh, new Nick Cage movie, written and directed by uh, Paul Schrader, uh, where Nick yeah. Cage plays a uh, CIA agent uh, with who has been diagnosed with dementia. Uh, and is helped by Anton Yelchin to track down a man who he believes is alive, but everybody else believes is dead. Um, it's always a really bizarre thing when you're watching a Nicolas Cage movie because they are trailer, because it is always, when his name comes up, it always says above it, Academy Award winner Nicolas Cage, and you always go, fuck, man, that just seems like so long ago now. And it was a long time ago, but even in a career-wise, that just seems like a long, long way ago. Because every single one of his movies now just looks like a parody. Um, yeah, uh, other than that, uh, the Ex Machina trailer, yeah, watch that. Uh, like you say, it looks interesting, but I do think that they've maybe given a bit too much away, maybe. But then again, maybe not. You never know until you actually see the film. Um, but there is, there's, there's a lot of kind of things where you go, ha, so is that that then? Uh, Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I would have... I, I would have liked a bit less plot kind of actually what's going on in there. And to be honest, I've kind of already got an idea of what the, the, the like, if there's a twist, what it would be. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean, putting, I'm putting money on Donald Gleeson being a robot. Yeah. That's why I was, yeah, that's basically yeah. what I was saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly that. Uh, also as well, uh, it, the, the robots do look, are the, the, AIs do look a little bit like it's almost stock um, AIs now. They all kind of have that kind of look a little bit now, and you're waiting for somebody to do something a little bit different, which it might do in this movie. It's a it's a two minute segment of a of what will be a two hour movie uh, probably. And then yes, uh, the the big trailer of the week is the Furious Seven uh, trailer. Uh, Ian, uh, as a, a convert to this this series, we both thoroughly enjoyed um, uh, Fast Six. Uh, yeah, which year. is which is weird because it seems like people disregard Six compared to Five, and I think Six is uh, very much a superior film to oh, yeah, Five question, personally. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I am. Um, the only way the trailer could have been better for me is if there was more Statham. And, you know, there's not an awful lot of him there, but, hey, you do see the fact that The Rock and Statham are going to have a fight. Mm. Awesome. Um, it just it looks like a big, old, dumb bag of fun. I'm a little... Also, I will say, I'm a little bit worried about the whole family aspect and also <laughs> the fact... There's a, yeah, there's a the the fact it. that Paul Walker died, it, it kind of makes me think, like, they're they're very much influenced by Paul Walker's real life death in terms of the we're a family aspect. And that by far is the worst bit of these fucking films for me. I, I did and, think that there's a point in the trailer where he says, I don't have friends. I have family where it just, I just thought, Oh, literally I can imagine Ian fucking going, Oh God, no. Yeah. Just, just don't. Nobody cares about that people want to see parachute cars 
and yeah. Kurt Russell sternly warning you, and Jason Statham and The Rock punching each other and then both exploding. <laughs> that's what we all want. Yes. And it and I mean it just it looks like that's what we're gonna get here. Good on James Wan. I I I'm just a James Wan directed Fast and Furious film starring Jason Statham and Kurt Russell along with all the others. Yeah. Uh, I you know, I'm I'm pretty much spent right there, you know. Yeah. I'm very excited. <laughs> That's yeah. all I can say. I'm, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it as well. Yeah. Um, don't think there's anything else that came out, was there, uh, this this week? It's, it's, it's slowed down a little bit. So what we'll do is we'll take a little break and we'll play you the trailer for uh, Alexander Ayer's uh, Horns. you for the rest of my life just love me for the rest of mine please you have to believe me i loved her what does it feel like to get away with murder you should ask the devil to punish you you know you don't have to convince me i believe you why are you protecting me because if i did anything to her then i'm a monster Did you notice anything unusual? Alien hearts? What are they? You know how I think we should proceed? I should grind me up some Oxycontin and have a little snort. Um... Everyone in this town is going crazy. I think it's because of me and these horns. You killed that innocent girl, now the devil has claimed you. I didn't kill her father, and now people are telling me all these things I don't want to hear. I'm so bad. I'm bad. I'm pretty enough to be on TV, right? I gotta figure out who really killed Marin and get him to confess. Egg. I would never hurt her. Tell me. Tell me everything that happened. Admit you killed her. It'd be such a huge scoop for me. I got an idea. How about you guys beat the heck out of each other, and the winner gets an exclusive interview with me? What's that snake doing around your neck? Made a new friend. Are those horns? Damn right, they're horns. Okay, you heard a trailer for the Alexander Air film uh, Horns there, uh, st- based on the novel by Joe Hill, uh, and it stars Daniel Radcliffe, you've also got Max Minghella in there, Joe Anderson, Juno Temple, and then you've got appearances from James Ramar, Kathleen Quinlan, David Morse, and Heather Graham. Um, essentially, it's the story of um, Daniel Radcliffe's character, uh, Ignatius, a.k.a. Ig, um, and uh, he is uh, a radio DJ uh, who um, wakes up one morning with horns uh, growing out of his head. It happens to be around the time as well um, that he is 
the lead suspect in the murder of his ex-girlfriend, played by Juno Temple. Uh, the entire town is convinced he did it, uh, and he has since become somewhat of a pariah. Uh, also to mention, uh, we are all spoilers all the time, the horns seem to give him a... Uh, a, 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 not a power, but I suppose a presence where people, it seems, are uh, incredibly honest around him. Um, so, Ian. People just tell him stuff. People just yeah. tell him shit, yeah. It, it, it kind of seems to change a little bit. Um, but, Ian, uh, Horns, it's been a long time coming as this film, actually, hasn't it? Um, yeah, I played Tiff last year. Yeah. Um, I think the Weinsteins were just kind of holding it for kind of Halloween. I've got a feeling maybe they didn't quite know what to do with it as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, because, like, the film itself doesn't seem to know what it wants to do with itself. Mm. Um, it, it's it's all... I mean, it is one of the most tonally weird films. I mean, like it's almost like Aya is, is kind of evoking the South Korean way of... Yeah. Uh, of having like three or four different genres all basically happening at the same time. And it's got a disjointed feel to it. Um, which, I mean, I, I haven't read the book myself, um, but it kind of, there is stuff in here that I could see working in a book, but yeah. doesn't really work on screen. Um, the, you know, the fact that once you get like the plot, like kicking in at the start, you then get a very much extended flashback of uh, of the characters as kids and you know that that feels like that work that would, could work in a book where that stuff has time to breathe in a film that already it, i mean is quite long at just shy of two hours it it just feels overextended um and it, you know it, the way it lurches from kind of black comedy to weird like t almost like teen romance type thing um, I mean, Christ, it had an air of, like, ambling to it uh, at, at, at a couple of points. Um, but then, you know, you've got one, you've got a really, really gory moment towards the end. Um, and you've got some, like, kind of, de like, heart-tugging, depressing stuff. I mean, it, it's a film that is all over the shop and doesn't really work well enough for it. However... I would say that I think Daniel Radcliffe is is strong enough to pull you through quite a bit of it. Um, I actually think he's pretty good in this. Um, and despite the most obvious whodunit in the history of time, <laughs> um, I, I, I think there is just about enough there to recommend it. Maybe not on a cinema watch, but as a lazy night in with Netflix, why not? Um, but uh, Mark, your thoughts? Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm in a very similar place to, to, to you with it. Uh, to be honest, it is like you say, it is totally all over the place. Um, you know, it opens quite well. It looks very nice, um, and you know, like you say, Radcliffe does carry it really, really well uh, through it. His performance, you know, is very good, and he is. It is. It is quite uh, something the way that he has uh, essentially seem to quite uh, effortlessly have not only shed the Harry Potter thing, but also managed to shed it, but still carry it with him in a very much, uh, I, I don't want to 
um, go too far away from this. I'm very proud of what I did with the Harry Potter movies, but I'm an actor, so I'm going to move on to the next things. And he, he does seem to be picking things quite well. And he, I think the fact that he, he comes across as being quite a nice, affable chap and quite a, you know, did you see the um, the thing he did on Jimmy Kimmel the other day? Oh my god, who hasn't seen that? Yes. Yeah, Which, uh, very, very good. Very, very entertaining. And in this, you know, he, he does, he is proving more and more that he's developing his acting chops. And I think he's very, he's very good in this. Um, the problem is, is that the, 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 the screenplay and the story seems to be a bit all over the place. And like you said, it, it does, I, I didn't notice until you mentioned it, it does go a little bit kind of uh, ambling um, at, at points, which, it, it, you know, it kind of comes out of nowhere a little bit. Um, so that that kind of evokes into it. And also as well, there's a bit, there's bits where I was kind of going, really, this is just feeling a little bit, a bit juvenile. Um, the first the first bit where he realises that people can be really honest around him. Um, it really goes to the doctor's surgery and you've got the woman and she's talking about how she's been having an affair with her golf pro. Um, and it, it's just... And then uh, you've got the doctor ends up um, fucking his, his, his nurse. And it all felt a little bit like, really, you, you've, you've crammed two sex scenes in for no reason at all? It is a properly... Like fucking hell, sex scene between Daniel Radcliffe and Juno Temple. Yeah, like, and, and he is that. going for it, man. Yeah, like, and it, it, it felt a little bit like I felt a little bit like saying to I and I, I halfway through it, saying, you know, grow up a little bit. You know, you don't have to do these things. But you get the feeling like like Juno Temple before she reads any script, is she reads it and goes, "There's no sex scenes in that." And they go, what do you mean? Go, well, I don't do movies in there because I get to take my clothes off. I'm just not going to do it. And they've gone, oh, we'll, we'll put one in then. Um, but it just it felt a little bit, like you say, like it was it was darting from one place to another. And then, you know, the the, the first sort of moment where he hasn't realised that he's got his power where the, the girl um, from the bar that he's just slept with, with the donuts. Yes. Where yeah, that... I mean- that that feels a little bit. At the time, you're going, "What the fuck's going on?" But then, when he when he starts to realise, it, it, it go, oh, "Of course, that was that. It was because of the horns," uh, and it it starts to make sense. But then he's still going, "It makes sense." But this film has got a really, really low opinion of women. <laughs> yeah. The yes. Yeah. The the women in this film are there to either be fucked, to be messed around with, as in the case of Heather Graham's character, um, or to be or, or to be idolised. That's that is all they're there for. And it is it is weird. And that that on on the point of that woman, and also a general point, there was a bunch of stuff in here that just didn't feel like it needed to be there. The that that character added nothing. No. whatsoever at all to it. I mean, like, he, he fucks her and stuff, and you think, like, well, all right, well, that, that's interesting. And at one point, I thought she was going to be the killer and, like, she was obsessed with him or something. And I, I, I think she is there kind of essentially as a, 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 as a red herring. Yeah. And you get that scene with her in the bar when he says, like, you should get out of this shithole town, and that's her done for the rest of the film. And it does feel like she's literally there just to add another suspect. Yeah. Um, but then also, the, the whole truth-telling thing, 
what does that actually achieve in the main nar- thrust of the narrative of finding out who the killer is? The, the only thing it does is is it has that thing of oh because he's wearing the cross he can't see the horns and he doesn't it's protecting him it's like, and, and from from that i was already at the point where i was like it's him though but i know it's him so as, as all soon of this as is I, nonsense as, as soon as i knew it was a best friend his best friend character was a lawyer who's known him since childhood. I was just like, right, okay, then it's his best friend. Yeah. I literally said to Donna, like, at the end of Max Mangella's first scene, it's him. Yeah. You know, and I mean, it, I don't know. I mean, it, it just, it, it all, it, it feels like there's a bunch of shit here that just doesn't connect. And yet Daniel Radcliffe's character is in practically every single scene. And through his strength of personality alone, I think he he almost single-handedly saves the film. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think Daniel Radcliffe is that good here. I, 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 maybe not quite for, for me, anyway, so the film, but I, I'd agree that Daniel Radcliffe is that good. Now. I think he's, he's Or a... at least makes it a three out of five, because otherwise this thing would be, oh, it'd be one and it, a half, well, let's two just say, stars at best. If that was uh, the original casting, which was Shia LaBeouf, um, then this would be a this would be a one and a half, maybe two out of ten. Because you can almost picture how LaBeouf would play this. Um, but yeah, but even stuff like the, the killing of Heather Graham's character. Uh, apologies there, uh, if it went a bit weird. Uh, my internet kicked out again because I'm on BT and BT's fucking terrible. Um, anyway, what I was about to say was, uh, yeah, the Heather Graham um, killing her just di- didn't seem to have any kind of point, really. Yeah. It, it seemed to be like... If he could have got her to admit that that she didn't actually see him, then that would have actually helped him. But instead, he yeah. decides to get her. Well, essentially, he murders her. Uses yeah, snakes. yeah. I mean, he does actually kill her, doesn't he? But yeah, he uses snakes to kill her, essentially. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It just I, the, the the treatment of women in the film is 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 suspect, and it um. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a story of. I mean, it's a story about men, isn't it? Really, and these boys like all basically falling in love with Juno Temple's character, and then trouble basically coming from that. But I, it, I don't know. It just it, there's not an awful lot to really get into with horns. I don't think. I mean, no, there's just, not. There's not at all. It, it, it's a very. It's a very empty film, and it's two yeah, hours empty, long. Yeah, empty's a good word, actually. Yeah, it. It, it feels. All of it feels like it's shot on a set. It doesn't feel like there's a, there's a single real place. Uh, you you can tell that maybe that like you can almost imagine that the little treehouse bit is literally next to the bar on a sure. lot. It all feels like that. It does look quite nice at points, but it's just I just found it incredibly disappointing to be honest. Yeah. No. I. I... I mean, I, I was the same. I mean, I, I, it sounds like I enjoyed it slightly more. Than I think, you. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Mossy's in the room at the moment, oh. if, you, if you didn't know. But, um, but it, it just, um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I had just about a good enough time with it. And, I mean, there were, there were bits in it that made me laugh. And um, I, 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 yeah, it just, it's not a film I really feel like I can really go to bat for that much. Hmm. I mean, where 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 do you sit on it then? Are you shit? Definitely not shit. Are you touching cloth? 
I mean, it's it's almost touching cloth, but I'm going to say definitely not shit because I just because I just about had enough worth out of it. And like I say, basically that was Daniel Radcliffe. If it wasn't for him, I I I think it would be going on the definitely shit uh me uh, level yeah i, I i'm gonna say uh touching cloth based Fair just enough. solely on uh radcliffe's performance um <laughs> because i think it'd be mean to say it's shit because i think radcliffe is actually really quite good in it um and i think that you know i, I could see it in a film where you know some people might just get on with it better but it does feel like a movie that's more for a much younger horror audience than us yeah i mean it it, it, it kind of feels like um alison Draja might have been the wrong director for this because it kind of feels like the material is screaming out for a kind of a a 12a twilight twilighty type of thing yeah. when you've got the guy who directed twitch play romance instead, exactly so. yeah yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, not an abject failure, but yeah, disappointing, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what we're going to do now is we're going to give you a little kind of quick what we've been watching just to throw a few sort of things out there um, that we've covered. Uh, well, before that, actually, we're going to give you some promos. But then we're going to give you some uh, what we've been watching uh, just to keep you abreast of anything interesting that we might have viewed in the past week. Um, so here's some promos for some podcasts that we know and enjoy, uh, and then we'll get into that. Okay, Ian, uh, what have you been watching over the, the past week? I'll be quick. Nacho Vigalando's Open Windows. Um, trashy, um, kind of sleazy in one particular moment. I was just a bit like, oh, God, really? Um, this is this is for 12-year-olds. But um, it, it, it has elements of it where it's just like, it, it feels like, again, a horror filmmaker who doesn't respect his audience but i know nacho vigalondo's better than that so it was a bit weird um but is, he the it, one, it, is, that, is that the one that stars is he the one who did extraterrestrial uh yeah the the, the, the extraterrestrial of a couple of years ago the, not the vicious brothers film that's out at the moment yeah yes uh but there's um is open windows is that the one with elijah wood and sasha gray yeah sasha gray that's right yeah yeah, yeah. Big, um, big fan of her work yes yeah um, I actually, I, I, I WhatsApped Noel at one point um, saying like, uh, uh, like Open Windows is a really quite sleazy film starring Sasha Grey. Noel, this would this would be your favourite film of all time. And um, I mean, it, it, I mean, it's got it's got elements. It's kind of it's kind of interesting, but it's also dumb as all hell. The like the twist at the end is just the worst, and it, it just opens up a whole other load of questions. But I, I yeah, I mean. It is what it is. I gave it two out of five. It's it was disappointing, but I, I mean I didn't hate it, hate it, but disappointing. Also disappointing VHS viral, which again has a section directed by Nacho Vigalondo in it, which is uh, two thirds really interesting. A third, this is for twelve year olds. Um, so that kind of seems to be his modus operandi lately. But hey, um, which is a shame because Extraterrestrial is a really good, interesting quirky little thing which i don't know has an interesting sci-fi in the relationship drama angle which i actually really enjoyed um but vhs viral it's also got a section directed by um uh justin benson and aaron moorhead who uh, did resolution which i talked about last week and uh, i did uh, the uh, very hotly word of mouth at festivals uh, spring their section is probably 
within the bottom two or three of all VHS seg- segments. Wow. Uh, yeah, uh, that's it's a, terrible. That's a, that's a really bad fucking place to be. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible, their section. It's called Bonehead, and it's basically five, ten minutes of skate kids skating around and being dickheads, and then they go to Tijuana, and then they stumble across some sort of sacrifice to bring about a demon, and then they maybe spend... it felt like a good solid 10 minutes like with gopros on incoherently slamming their skateboards into people dressed up as skeletons uh. and it, it was just i don't know what's going on i don't care these people are really annoying get them out of my face um and 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 then there's another section about a magician's cloak that eats people um, which actually had some fun elements to it, but yeah, the VHS franchise as a whole, I quite, I actually am okay with VHS two, and we actually did a main review of that around this mm. time last year. Um, VHS viral is is probably as bad as VHS. No, maybe a, it's it actually it's better than VHS because it's about half an hour shorter. It's only eighty one minutes, and there's an entire section which isn't in the VOD version that I watched. That wasn't in the version that played Fright Fest either, but at some other places it has played with another section, a story called Gorgeous Vortex. Vortex, yeah, the, 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 the Todd Lincoln one. Yeah, which I don't think is in this at all. Um, I mean, There's Dante the Great, which is the magician one. Yeah. There's Parallel... Windows, I think it's called, which is the Nacho Vigalondo one. Um, and there's uh, Bonehead. And then you've got the wraparound. And I'm pretty sure that wraparound is not called Gorgeous Vortex. So I, I don't know what that's about. But, um, it's, it, was, it, was, it was pulled, apparently. The uh, Gorgeous Vortex was pulled at the last minute out of the film and cut from it for no one... Not, nothing's been released as of yet for the reasons why. That's interesting. Um it, it can't have been any worse than Bonehead. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, the, only, you know, the I mean the thing I will give it, the wraparound story actually has quite an impressive sense of scale this time. Um, you actually kind of see how the VHS stuff is infecting the world, and um, I quite enjoyed that. But, um, yeah, it's not very good. Um, it, I, I, it, it, literally the saving grace of it was the fact it was 81 minutes long for me so if it had gorgeous vortex in it as well i probably would have thought worse of it so hey um and i watched event horizon uh which is cracking yeah um you know i really i really enjoy event horizon it's slightly trashy but you know it, it takes itself seriously features a lot of Lawrence fishbourne burn running or jetpacking towards stuff yeah, and screaming um, which, a lot. Yeah, which I, I really enjoy. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, I, I, I don't know. Event Horizon, it's fun. It's Paul W.S. Anderson's best film by a fucking country mile. Um, and, pardon me, that is it. Um, I, I, I'm about 20 minutes into The Vicious Brothers Extraterrestrial, which uh, I'm actually quite enjoying so far. Oh. Um and uh, I, I, I'll probably talk about the rest of that uh, next time. But uh, yeah, that's it. 
Uh, cool. I've only got um, a couple of bits. Um, I um, rewatched. Uh, we, me, myself, and Becky are going to do a uh, a Western month. We're going to try and watch a lot of Western movies. Not we're only going to watch Western movies, but we're just going to watch a lot of Western movies in November. And we're going to kind of pick a genre every month to kind of just kind of narrow down what, what we're what we're choosing from a little bit. Uh, but it's not like what we did in uh, in in um, October where we only watched horror movies because by the last week in October I was saying to Becky, I, I just. I just want October to end now, so I can stop watching fucking horror movies. Yeah, I, I was. I, I know I'm. I've been watching Extraterrestrial, but I was kind of thinking that myself. I'm. I, I am quite looking forward to like. Oh, let's be cops. I'll yeah. watch that and not feel bad that it's not a horror film. Yeah, you know? that's exactly what I am. So you know, we, we've set rules where what we're going to do is we're going to pick a genre every month, but it's not going to be the only things we're going to watch. We're just going to watch a load of X that month. So we're going to watch a load of westerns. Oh. So we started it last night with. The first one we watched was Tombstone, um, which I spoke about. We spoke on the show and we did our George Peakers Marathon. Uh, still a great film. I watch it at least once a year. Um, so that's my year's watch. I think it's actually the second time I've watched it this year, to be honest. Uh, but it's it still always holds up. It's still a great watch. It's still a a really appreciated but still underappreciated movie. Uh, we then followed it up with The Wild Bunch, uh, which must be uh, quite a while since I watched that, maybe uh, seven or eight years to watch that and Becky's first time watching it. And it really is a staggeringly good movie. Um, it really is beautiful. Uh, and I've got the, the director's cut Blu-ray. Uh, looks incredible. Uh, oh, yeah, okay. For a, um, for a, for a movie that is... Oh, 1968, I think it was. So what's that? 40-odd years old? 46 years old? Mm. Um, and for it to look that crisp on Blu-ray, uh, it shows the the effort they've put in uh, with the Blu-ray. It looks amazing. And I picked it up for £6. Um, nice. I think I was actually with you when I bought it, actually, to be honest. I think I bought it a couple of years ago at Fright Fest. Um, from FOP. Yeah. Uh, yeah I oh, think I did right, it. okay, yeah. Yeah, um, because I saw it six quid and thought, how can you not do that? Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's a fucking great movie. If you've not seen Wild Bunch, you've not watched it for a while, it still holds up. It still has that power and it still has that kind of, that sense of, um, you know, that these guys know that their time is up and they are just clinging to just getting through or getting to something um it's a it's a wonderful movie it really is um and just shows how how good peckinpah was when he was good um and then also i watched um last week um like i say we've been watching for october we watched a lot of horror movies and and one was uh we wanted to watch something that was under 90 minutes uh because it, we started watching it quite late on i think it was actually last um monday um so we decided to give uh james wan's uh, dead silence a go uh, okay nice which is uh, the reason why I thought you'd go is uh, it had a ventriloquist dummy in it. Uh, it's a James Wan movie uh, written by uh, Lee Wanell. And thought, do you know what? Under ninety minutes, you know James Wan and Lee Wanell, they, they you know they usually do pretty decent stuff. To be honest, um, we'll give it a go. And 
premises is you've got Ryan Quanton. Um, he is sent a doll, uh, a ventriloquist, sorry, dummy. Uh, I suppose that is a better one than not a doll. Uh, mysteriously, and uh, it ends up his wife ends up being brutally killed. He's the lead suspect, and he thinks it's tied in somewhere to this ventriloquist dummy, and then it starts folding back to where he grew up uh, and this tale of Mary Shaw and you can kind of see it does follow the kind of the pattern uh, that, that, that this that one and one else movies kind of follow you know that, that you've got with Insidious and the country and of they're trying to tell more traditional kind of uh, horror stories but bring them into a modern sort of setting and that's what Dead Silence does Um the idea that uh, if you're silent or you don't scream, the Mary Shaw can't get you is kind of thrown away, but then kind of referred to back in the thing. So it, as a um, as a story, it, it does kind of feel a little bit all over the place and a little bit underwritten. But as an actual movie, it, it has atmosphere and it's fun and it gets in, gets it done and is gone. And it's actually really sort of quite enjoyable, to be honest. I, I, I did have quite a good time with it. Yeah, it's trashy furnace dead silence. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Lee, Lee One L was kind of distanced himself away from it. He um, he he, uh, he wrote a piece on his blog about it, um, basically saying the studio gave him a shitload of notes. He wasn't into that at all. Someone came in and re- rewrote the script, and but like the fact that the reason why he did it anyway was because basically he kind of panicked where he basically came up with a pitch and they went, yeah, all right, then we'll, we'll go for that. And he was like, I, well, I haven't got a clue what the actual story is, but okay. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite interesting to read that actually. Oh man, I might try it down and give it a read, but yeah, but it, 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 it like I say, it's good. It's good fun. Mm-hmm. Cool. Right. Uh, we shall now uh, give you a trailer for uh, Nightcrawler. Uh, the, uh, new Jake Gyllenhaal film directed by Dan Gilroy, who I can't remember what else he's done or if this is a debut film for himself. I think I, this is his debut. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So we'll play a trailer for that and then we'll get into it. Excuse me, sir. I'm looking for a job. I'm a hard worker. I set high goals. My motto is, if you want to win the lottery, you have to make the money to buy a ticket. So what do you say? I could start tomorrow, or even why not tonight? No, I'm not hiring. We're first! Go around, get a shot inside the car! Hey, back away. I got it, I'm back, I'm back. Will this be on television? Morning news. If it bleeds, it leads. Are you currently hiring? I'm starting a TV news business. You, get back! I film breaking stories. Maybe you saw my item this morning. You were fatal carjacking. No, I mean, I don't have a TV. Do you have a cell phone? Yeah. Does that have GPS? Yeah. Congratulations, you're hired. <sighs> okay. We're taking the next right. Good, stupid! Repeat the police. I will never ask you to do anything that I wouldn't do myself. Excuse me. I have something you'll be very excited about. You have a good eye. I want you to contact me when you have something. Something like this. Think of our newscast as a screaming woman running down the street with her throat cut. You will be seeing me again. In a unit, residential 211. A home invasion. 
changed the world. You gotta call the cops. And we will, at the right time. But I don't know what to do. We're gonna find the person that drove that car. Start filming. I'm Detective Fonieri. I think you withheld information. That would be a very unprofessional thing for me to do. It would be murder. I want what you promised me. I want something people can't turn away from. 911, what's your emergency? We want all of it. Oh my God! I think Lou is inspiring all of us to reach a little higher. <laughs> there we go. That was a trailer for uh, Nightcrawler, starring Rene Russo uh, and Jake Gyllenhaal. Very much a, uh, very much a kind of like a temple for for Gyllenhaal's ever increasing. Um, interesting choices you've also got uh, bill paxton in there and riz ahmed uh, and a few kind of semi-recognizable faces um film opens up with uh john hall's uh lou bloom uh who is selling stolen goods to a foreman for a building site uh that he's stolen from another building site and also trying to ask him if he would give him a job uh when he is knocked down as said oh, why would i hire you you're a thief he kind of goes, that's a that's a good point. But you get the feeling that it isn't maybe quite all there um, and a little bit unhinged. Uh, Lou then comes across a, a motoring accident where he bumps into Bill Paxton filming said motor, uh, um, motor accident. We then ask him a few questions where he states that he's going to sell the footage uh, and that's how he makes a living. Jake Gyllenhaal decides he wants a piece of that. Um, Ian, Nightcrawler, um, what did you um, what did you think? I'll, I'll throw it to you, man, because, uh, you know, like we're doing three of them. So why yeah. don't you go first this time? Um, Nightcrawler, I, I was very much um, looking forward to Nightcrawler. Uh, I've been I- impressed with, with what Gyllenhaal has kind of dished out in the past few years. I think he's become an incredibly um, interesting actor who is, you know, he started off actually quite interesting uh, in his, his earlier movies. And then he went a little bit, you know, I think for a few movies where he seemed to go a little bit off that path, um, and you know, since like the past sort of six, seven years, you know, you've got things like Zodiac, um, Love and the Drugs was an interesting movie, Source Code, End of Watch, uh, and Prisoners. He he really is not going down the route that he quite easily could have gone down, uh, and this is very much uh, a his kind of movie. Um, I, it's it's quite an unsettling watch, not because of as much the content, but because Lou Bloom is is such a a difficult character. He's somebody who very much you know he mentions that he hasn't had that much formal education, but you get the idea that he's maybe quite smart in certain ways, but his um, his confidence. Uh, kind of overcomes his ability to read social situations um and he he can read uh situations to a point but then his inability to read the reactions of people make him quite an uncomfortable character to be around but people still seem to be quite drawn to him um and he's his drive and his determination overtake it and it makes it quite um 
a fun but almost a, a, an overbearing at times watch because there's a constant threat that he's going to go too far and he isn't going to be able to to pull back from going too far because he won't be able to realise that he's gone too far. So what the fuck is he going to do? And there's that all the way through the movie. It's building to that. But you do get this sense that at no point is he going to be able to, to stop going too far. Um, yeah, I mean, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's what I think that, that draws you into it. And you know, it is—it's just under two hours long, which I think is a, is a perfect kind of time for it. Um, it, it almost feels like it—it's. I expect it to be a little bit. I said to you, I think I said on the last podcast that it feels a little bit taxi driverish um, from the trailers. But then about twenty minutes in, I was like, actually, is a little bit more Rupert Pupkin than he is um, Travis Bickle uh, in that and I kind of liked that about it yeah I mean he is a little bit more Rupert Pupkin I definitely agree with that but there's one key thing here I mean it's the fact that I he does I think he realizes what he's doing the entire time and I mean, there's that really interesting exchange with with Riz Ahmed, where Riz Ahmed says to him, "Look, you you know, you've got basically you've got to understand people more. You know, people don't like you. You've just got to actually listen to what people are saying." And, and he just says, "What if it's not that I don't understand people? It's just that I don't like them." Yeah, I, I, I yeah that that single bit of self-awareness, which you never ever ever get from Rupert Pupkin, no, uh, or or Travis Bickle, really. Um, it just made me think, and I think it, the film is better as a result. That it's not that he is just completely doesn't 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 get what's going on. It's that he completely gets it, but he does not give a shit, and he is basically being the way he is to to fuck with people almost. Yeah, I, I, I mean, think I think there's there's definitely a sense of the fact that that he. He really seems to want people to like him, but not in a desperate way. In a, he wants to be able to manipulate people yeah, to it's like more, him. And it will make off. it easier for him to get what he wants. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the, the the Rene Russo, his relationship with Rene Russo's character is fascinating. And it's dark. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like the the the, the scene in the restaurant, you know, mm. where. You, I mean, again, at that time, you are kind of reading it in a Rupert Pupkin. He just he doesn't know that what he's saying is wrong kind of way. But once you get that exchange with Riz Ahmed, it's just like, no, he knows all this all along. Yeah. And he is just, I want to fuck Rene Russo. She is not going to do it because of my charm or personality. So I'm going to have to blackmail her. And I'm going to blackmail her. And do you know what? By the end of the film, she is absolutely, yeah, I'm into this. You know, like it, it's obvious, like when she's saying thank you to him at the end, that yeah. like she's turned on. Yeah. And it's just, it's, I, I don't know. It's like he just seems to kind of know the dark heart of people. And this kind of ambulance chasing just gives him the perfect form to kind of express that. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's, he's like you say, his determination and he's, he's just doesn't give 
a, a an actual shit array um, does play yeah. into it perfectly. He's his ability to manipulate people and to just not have any. I mean, the the, the bit where I mean, I remember where we are. We say it a lot, but it is good to just keep mentioning it that we are, I suppose, all the time. The bit where towards the end, where the uh, investigator says you seem you you seem real cut up about it in relation to um, the Rizami character. He's like, well, he died doing what he loved, and you know he knew the job. And it's like, fucking hell, he, he doesn't even. You know, he essentially used him to further his own, you know, agenda of 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 moving forward, and it's just he's a fascinatingly but, twisted uh, character. I mean, the thing is, his 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 logic in the most twisted way is right. Mm. He that the Riz Ahmed character was totally going to keep on asking for more. Yeah, and if he'd if he had stopped at the the, 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 the that you know the bit where he says oh, uh, oh I'll take this yeah and then and then Jake Gyllenhaal and he's like I could have got more couldn't I if he just stopped there I don't think Jake Gyllenhaal's character actually would have done what he did no but because of the fact that he then basically says to him I'm not fucking doing this unless you give me blah 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 you know I mean you know Jake Gyllenhaal's character was actually right in his thinking of. I need to get rid of him. And obviously not the way he gets yeah, rid of just, him, it, right, it, it, but yeah. I need to get rid of him because he's just going to keep on doing this. Yeah, and it, like you say, it does... Because the, 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 there's a great scene, the bit where he's going, I need to... I, I, does it come with a pay rise? He's like, it, it, it does, yeah. You tell me the what is it. And he's there going, a hundred... Yeah. Seventy-five. And he just goes, yeah. And he goes, I could have got a lot more. And he's like, yes, you could. And it, 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 the fact that Essentially, he he tells very few kind of lies yeah. to people, um, and he's he, he's incredibly honest. But it's in a it's in a wonderfully kind of dark way, and he, he seems to if somebody ever calls him on something, he he, he kind of goes, "Okay, then that's fine," and he never he only ever loses his shit once, and in private, yeah, and it's in private, and it it's a flash second. Where he yeah. loses it, and it, I, I like the way that, that, that Dan Gilroy doesn't then go back to that. Doesn't it, at no point, and it, it, it's not that he, he loses shit because something went wrong, and a, a, a way that he thought something was going to pan out didn't pan out, and it's the first time that something didn't pan out in the way it is, uh, and it, it all just makes perfect sense with him. He's just got this this awkward way about himself. But that just makes him, you know, there is no way you'd go, I'd like to have a drink with that guy, because you really wouldn't <laughs> at all. He's just a deplorable character that you are so fascinated watching. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, I mean, Jay Gyllenhaal kind of uh, basically captures the screen here. I mean, he's kind of greasy looking and he's shifty, but he's got, I mean, he's very much playing up on his kind of like, boy scout kind of way at times like before he really gets into it with people mm. and he's he's talking about his his objectives and stuff it, it, he is playing up the kind of like the the innocent cookie cutter guy and then, but then it, it's almost like that's a role as well i mean it's th- this film's going to be really interesting on a rewatch and like mm. with the way that 
my think my read of it is framed. I think the like going back and watching the rest of it is going to be fascinating now. Um, yeah. The way yeah, that, the way that once once he's kind of he's settled into this kind of pattern, and that things are working for him, he's he he uses that to go right. Well, my confidence level has has gone up a level, because yeah, I can now, you know, it's almost like he's he's with the Bill Paxton character, and when he comes from stats offering stuff, he's like, I don't want to to work with you because I know I'm willing to do this shit that you won't do. And it's almost like that. So he basically just shits on him. I mean, that's the thing. And like the the one time that Bill Paxton's character gets a one up on him, like once he he's a serious player, what does he do? He sabotages his van, and it looks like essentially almost almost kills him. Yeah, and and then and it ensures that he's there to film it. Yeah. Oh, and like the way that, 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 that actually doesn't go anywhere after that. It's just that we're not following the story. We're following Lou. Yeah. And that is what makes brilliant sense of this film is there is, and it, it, it there probably is, but I don't remember an actual single scene in the film that doesn't that he isn't either on screen or doesn't actually there. feature him being there. In some degree, there's no scene in this film that isn't about Lou. It is absolutely his film, mm. and it's not interested in anything else that goes along. And it's and some of the action scenes are are really fucking really well done. the The car chase scene is fantastic. It's a legitimately good car chase, and you really don't expect that in this film. No, yeah, sure. it, there's a, there's a great moment where it starts at the back of the car and then it runs round the side, and then runs up the mm-hmm. front. It's you know it, it's a really you know gorgeously shot movie. Um, you know, and I mean. I mean um, Robert Ellsworth, you know, he he's done some fucking good-looking movies. You know, he's um, what's his name? He's Paul Thomas Anderson's um, mm. DOP. You know, and you know, he's also done things like The Town, uh, which is a really good-looking movie. Um, you know, he's you know you're gonna get something that looks fucking nice from him and this movie it feels it, it feels incredible that's why i had to check a minute ago to see if it was his debut uh directorial film because it's got some nice shots and some nice pacing and some nice it, it's a really confidently directed movie yeah i mean that, that yeah i mean it's crazy to think it's his first time as well but I mean, like LA is a very photogenic city, especially at night, and the fact that you've got this film most most of the taking place at night, it very very much helps that. I mean, it's got that kind of um, that always awake kind of Michael Mannish kind of yeah. way about it. I mean, even even the idea of Michael Mann with his like his whole thing being professional people doing a job well, that is essentially what Michael Mann films are. Yeah. There's there's almost a hint of that to Nightcrawler as well. I, I mean, it. it you know, I mean, it's basically watching Lewis Bloom be very, very good at what he's doing. It's just the fact that what he's doing is reprehensible. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, like, there's barely ever any like any real drama in terms of him not actually getting what he wants. It's just watching him achieve it essentially 
And uh, I mean, like the, the one time there is, he sabotages the guy's van and basically fucking almost kills him. Yeah. Uh, as I said before, you know, I mean, apart from that, there's it's just him on the up and up. But you're just what like watching his interactions with people, and that's where the story is. Uh, it's, it, I mean, it's, it, it is fascinating. Yeah, it, it is, and I, I was incredibly impressed with it. It, it, it really is. Like you say, it's a film that I think will get more interesting on a couple of rewatches uh, because you can start to pick up the the ideas of um, and, and the growth of the character to see if it is that he grows into um, that Lou becomes more what the character is at the end, or if he's always the same character. It's just that he's using that he he uses his kind of the shift in his personality to to kind of use other people in very good ways um it's i mean i, I was in, incredibly impressed with it really really impressed it's it's, it's a, a a really really interesting movie yeah no absolutely man i mean uh, a very much definitely not sheer i think it's it's a very 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 strong film i, I maybe not like top 10 at the end of the year candidate for me but um it's it's uh, it's very, very, very strong, regardless. Yeah, it's 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 a definitely, definitely not shit. Um, and Gyllenhaal just keeps on fucking knocking him out of the park for me. To be honest, I think I, I yeah. genuinely think he is um, one of the most interesting actors working today. And if you'd have asked me this ten years ago, um, I'd have gone, really, it, it, it is it, is he going to be, you know, the great you know, character actor of his time and he kind of is becoming that and his next up and coming movies are he's in the Everest movie. Um and then after that he's in the Anton uh Anton uh, Fuqua um Kurt Sutter um penned movie Southpaw, which fucking hell I cannot wait. It's one of my most anticipated movies of next mm. year. Um so yeah, and my ah, fuck he really is knocking out of the park at the moment for me. Mm. Yeah, agreed. Uh, cool, right. Um, so we're going to move on to uh, a movie that's been out for a, a few weeks now, um, but uh, has become available on on VOD. Uh, it is the um, Babadook, uh, a much celebrated uh, horror movie. Uh, so we're going to give you a trailer for this, and then we're going to get into it. Where'd you get this? On the shelf. If it's in a word or it's in a look, you can't get rid of the Babadook. A rumbling sound, then three sharp knocks. That's when you'll know he's around. You'll see him if you look. Nothing bad's gonna happen, Sam. Did he think that about my dad before he died? Who sees things as they are, that one? I promise to protect you if you promise to protect me. Oh, my God. Did he hurt anyone? The boy has significant behavioural problems. This monster thing has got to stop, all right? It's just a book. It can't hurt you. Children see monsters. Not like this. 
want to report someone stalking me and my child. You can't get rid of the Baba dog. You can bring me the boy. You can bring me the boy. You can bring me the boy. Okay, that that was a trailer for The Babadook. Um, It is an Australian movie uh, from um, actress Jennifer Kent. I think it's her debut feature film. Um, And stars uh, Essie Davis and Noah Wiseman. Um, Essie Davis plays a single mother to um, Noah Wiseman's uh, character Samuel, uh, who is uh, six, about to turn seven. Story is the single mother who is raising a kid on her own after her partner died, driving her to the hospital to have said child. Um, said child seems to have behavioural problems, um, and um, the book The Babadook uh, appears in their house out of nowhere. And then she reads him it. The cloud uh, obsession with monsters is then warped further by the Babadook and his personality issues start to get worse and worse and worse as do her uh, sanity uh, with dealing with them uh, Ian, um, the Babadook uh, it has been called a genuine modern horror masterpiece um, feelings upon the Babadook <laughs> I know where you're going because I saw your wife's comments on Twitter earlier on and they made me laugh um, yeah, I, I I don't know, I, I I liked the Babadook. I did like it. Um, I and it, I mean, uh, spoiler warnings are definitely not shit uh, for me. Um, however, I do essentially think that the first hour or so, I like the kind of the psychological horror and the empathy they're trying to build. I the last half hour, I did not like how it just descended into horror cliche. And I ended with an ending that felt like it was really, really, really trying to bang you over the head with its meaning. And I just, I, I like, I was just, I'm out, I'm done. I don't really care anymore. Whatever. Um, it's, it's difficult because I mean, the thing is, the hype for this film has been a bit overwhelming in the genre like world frankly and i do think it, it it's got really really solid stuff in it and i mean i think essie davis is pretty damn good in it but it just i i i, I finished it just thinking right that's done i'm never gonna watch that film again and 
I, it, I don't know. It just it, it 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 didn't feel a million miles away from Annabelle, to be honest. You know, I mean, it it, it just it had it had more empathetic psychological heft to it. But the scares are structured very very similarly. And to be fair, I didn't find it really that scary. Um, I'm 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 intrigued, Mark, because uh, where you were uh, largely agreeing with Becky on this. Yeah. Bar, bar, bullshit, bar, bar, bandwagon jumping, bar, bar, boring. It's just a load of horror cliches strung together. Um, Two characters that I despised from the moment the film started. Don't have a child in your film that is annoying to the point of where I almost turned around and said, I don't think I can watch this anymore because I want to leap into the screen and fucking strangle it. The Again, I'm going to do it again, going to say it again. This film would have been better if she fucking killed him. It, 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 I'm going to say it. I think it's my worst film of the year. If this is... If this is if, if, fucking if, hell, what? Yeah, I think it's my worst film of the year. If genuinely, if somebody thinks this is a genuine horror masterpiece... I need to get them to explain to me why. Just one fucking reason. It is a load of horror cliches strung together in a boring-ass narrative with performances that just just descend into, oh, my God, really? It ends about 15 <laughs> times. I kept going, end, end, brilliant, it's ended. Oh, fucking hell, no. No, it's going to end again. It's going to end... And then the ending is just fucking dumb. I mean, really, really, really fucking dumb. You know, oh, what? There was this malevolent being that didn't actually fucking do anything. When you think about it, doesn't do anything. Give her a book. That's it. Never explained what it fucking wanted or anything like that. And then what you're going to do, you're going to just keep it in the basement and feed it fucking worms. I'm sorry, but also... When did the malevolent being start adopting the physics of our fucking realm? Why can't it just go out of it? You know, it can it can bring a book back from being ashes, but it can't leave a basement. What? Fuck off. Absolute, complete, total and utter bollocks. It's shit. It, is, it probably is one of the strongest shits I've ever had. It is fucking terrible. Your child, right, is has a mental illness, right? You have post-traumatic stress disorder. Seven years on. Your child probably has this mental illness because your mental illness, based around a very tragic event, has caused you to raise your child as an enabler. You are enabling to have this behaviour. You should have that child taken off you and you should be put into some kind of facility. That is it. End of. It. Terrible. Hated every fucking second. Had it not been for us covering it in the podcast, I'd have turned it off in the first two minutes. You would have turned it off in the first two minutes. Yeah. that From the first two minutes, I went, oh, I already fucking hate that kid. The only thing that kept me going was I thought there's a slim chance that that kid's going to get killed. 
I know you do. Yeah, I mean, I I get I get what I certainly get what you're saying about the horror cliches. I am and I I have no idea how people find the, the film terrifying. I will say, is there a single scare in it? I mean, genuinely, is there a single scare where you can where you could even say, well, I wasn't scared by that, but there, I could see it scare. There can, are a couple of jump scare moments for sure. I I just didn't get any of it. No, fair enough. I mean, the, the thing is, I I I am not that far removed from the like feeling really really tired and having a kid go off on you and having to deal with it, a like portion of having a young kid, and you know. I mean, a lot of the time I am still tired, generally. So, I kind I got the... I did feel for this character in the way that she just wants the kid to sleep, and then as soon as the kid is asleep, and then she starts having these, like, visions and hearing this stuff, and then she just wants the kid awake, and I thought that was kind of an interesting moment, to be honest. Um... I, 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 and like when the char- the social services people came around, like all the washing up was around, and you know she just looked like shit, and the kids saying all the wrong stuff. I, you know, I, I thought that kind of stuff actually worked quite well, but the more supernatural elements don't work that well, and when they are tied into basically it all being about her having to go down into her basement to acknowledge her grief and her sadness every now and then um it is a bit right i'm done with that that's really pop psychology bollocks and no thank you very much um but like i say i thought essie davis was good i thought the kid was supposed to be annoying and you know in that way i thought he was actually very good in the role um but I would not. I, I do. I, at the same time, I don't really begrudge what you're saying either. If you're not into the stuff that's showing, and also crucially, if you don't feel sorry for the people involved, this film is going is going to be shit for you. Yeah. Thankfully, I felt sorry for her, but you didn't. No, don't. No, because she's enabled. The fact that her child is like that is her fault. That's why I don't feel sorry for. Her. The, 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 the fucking the thing that he makes with the cricket ball, right, to kill the monsters, right? Don't just say I don't like you making those things, and then just let him have it fucking lying around and consistently use it. Take it off him, just fucking take it off him. That kid just needed a bit of fucking discipline. That's what that fucking kid needed. Just ah, uh, uh, oh, it was just hated every, not a single likable character in the entire fucking film. All of them were bastards. Apart from, no, one, sorry, one, Robbie, the guy she worked with, he seemed like a nice guy and he's in it for literally seconds. Fair enough. Um, I don't, I, I, it just, I think we've kind of, it's that, a really short review, but I kind of think we've come to an impasse. It's just like, I, I respect your opinion. Fair enough. I, I, I genuinely, I don't have that much more to say about it. I mean, I, I, I will agree, though. I don't know how it, this, the, the film is getting creamed over so much. It, 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 that 
that is weird to me. It's I think it's a very solid horror film, but I think the fact that it has that ending, I think I I think Brad might have said this, but it feels like the kind of ending where people who think they're smart say is a smart ending. Absolutely right. Yeah, it's not. It's bullshit. If this, if this, right, is the best horror movie of this year, horror's dead. As a genre, it's dead and it's gone. You know, we can't resuscitate it. It is fucked. Do you know what? Nightcrawler is a better horror movie than Babadook. Without question. And that's, Interesting. that's not even really being billed as a horror movie. But as a psychological horror movie, that is a better horror movie than the Babadook. Because at least the lead character or the title character in Nightcrawler is fucking scary. Because this is a pop-up book and it's not scary. And also, it looked like shit. Everything was green and fucking grey. It was a miserable, horrible look. They managed to make Australia, which is a fucking beautiful country, look like shit. Yeah. It just, 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 ah, oh, go away. I don't want it to mouth. It's shit. Definitely not shit, sorry. You, you're wrong. You are so wrong. Definitely. Uh, I, I just, yeah. But I mean, like, I will say I was way more into it. But the person, me, me, myself, I was way more into it the first hour than I was the last half hour. I did think it dropped off a cliff. Mm. When she's running around after him, trying to kill him, it is, it is the worst. It, it just, I, I, it, it, it's just the most cliched. And I mean, just as soon as you see in the in the pop up book as well about it getting under the skin and then seeing the pictures of her killing the dog you, and then you know that's trying to kill him, it's just like why why are you showing that? It's just you've you've basically just told us what's going to happen a half hour from now. Yeah, yeah, which was just. Ah, oh, it just feeds more of that. Like I say, if she'd actually fucking killed him, it'd have been a better fucking movie. Fair enough. All fucking films should have a child being murdered in them. Uh, right, so that was the Babadook. Uh, we've only got um, one question this week, so fuck you guys. Um, but yeah, it's from TGP73, uh, who says, Would you rather have horns or a tail? Tail. Horns. Horns, because like badass face accessories. I, I, I can't say I'm particularly into face accessories. I think a horn, but, but I get the feeling that, that a tail is something that you would consistently like sit on and shit like that, and you get it trapped in things, and people would like fucking pull on it as you were walking, and all that kind of things, and it'd just get annoying. Unless it's one of those tails that you could control, you know, and you could like. You know, but I, I just get the feeling that horns would be easier to kind of control. And if somebody looks at you funny, you go, yeah, I've got horns. You want to fucking make something of it? Hmm. Uh, whereas a tail, you, you'd get drunk people pulling on it, and it, it'd just it'd, it'd go wrong. Becky <laughs> um, <laughs> Becky just texted me saying, bar, bar, BS, duck, duck. <laughs> Yeah, your wife hated it. She that hated was funny. it. Probably more I than really me. really did enjoy her tweets. Yeah, probably more than me, actually. Um, yeah, so I don't think we've got any emails, because I haven't checked the emails, but I don't think we'll have no, any. No, we haven't. Uh, so, yeah. Um, right, uh, Ian, what are we covering next week? Ooh, I wonder. 
Oh, I wonder. Oh, I wonder. It's two hours, 45 minutes. Okay. <laughs> uh, Interstellar. Wow. We'll see how that is. Um, seems to be slightly mixed. Positive, but yeah, kind of mixed but word on it. So it, we'll it, see. It's exactly what I expected of people going, well, yeah, it's really nice looking, but it's really cold, like all Nolan films. And then it's always, with me, it's always, you don't find them cold. Don't get this cold idea. You know, Pretty much every single Stanley Kubrick movie is a cold movie, but people still fucking adore them. Yeah, it's just, just, I don't, I think it, it, it's, it's like I the way, I just get the feeling that people are wanting to shit on a, on a Nolan movie just for the sake of shitting on a Nolan movie. I'll wait and make my own opinion on it, um, on that. So sure. I, I, I'm still very, very much looking forward to it. Um, we will hopefully try and come up with a, a, a marathon bit before then. Yes. Uh, I have a few ideas, but I, I need to actually research to see if those ideas will actually go anywhere. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll, me and Ian, we'll, we'll discuss that in one of our in-depth production meetings, which usually last about six or seven texts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. Um, yeah. So that was episode 86, where um, we um, discussed the uh, death of horror uh, and the rise of Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, yes. So thank you very much for listening, guys. Uh, you can contact us, uh, dudeandthemonkey at gmail.com, uh, at dudeandthemonkey, at Ian Loring, at dudefoz. Ian, anything to add in? No, man. No, no. I'm just... Why do you hate The Babadook so much? Because it's a go. terrible fucking movie. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a horror movie that isn't scary. It, it's got no atmosphere. It is just horror cliche after horror cliche. It has uh, one of the most annoying child performances I've seen in probably ever, to be honest. Uh, It's just a really, really terrible movie. And I do not, I cannot understand how anybody could ever, ever put the word masterpiece unless it was in the phrase, a masterpiece in fucking up a movie. It's just, just terrible. Hated it despised it i'd love to actually genuinely sit down with somebody who genuinely thinks it's a horror masterpiece and just say to them okay i'm not going to say anything at all but i want you to explain to me why you think it's a horror masterpiece and i would genuinely let them explain to me why they think it's a horror masterpiece and then i would at the end of it go okay you're a fucking idiot and you're wrong and then walk away because there, because I do not understand. I, I genuinely don't think that it's one of those ones where go where I can go. Right, that's just me. I just didn't get it. I don't understand how anybody else can get anything out of it because there's nothing there at all. It's it's <laughs> emptiness. It is just utter bullshit. All I can think of is in some way there's some subliminal message in this movie. There's some fucking Darren Brown shit going on that I just, I blinked at that point and it didn't get me. That has convinced everybody to think that this is a fucking great movie. Because it's just not. Just, I don't, I don't understand it. <laughs> Bye guys, see you next week. <laughs> see you later guys, see you next week. <laughs>